to the Pet Show with Jimmy Jelinek and Dennis Quaid. Our guest today on the Pet Show is Steve Sharippa. The Brooklyn native rose to fame playing Bobby Boccalieri on HBO's The Sopranos. But it was his first taste of show business working as the entertainment director for the Riviera Hotel and Casino that cemented him within pop culture with his connection to stand-up comedians and entertainers of all stripes in the seedy world of late-night Vegas show business. But it was in this capacity that he was hired as an extra in Martin Scorsese's Casino. You can see him in the gloriously violent scene where Joe Pesci's character, Nicky Santoro, stabs a guy in the neck with a pen. He was hooked instantly. He got his first big break in 1999 after attending a friend's wedding in New York City and went to a casting call for the iconic series, landing the role and becoming a part of television history in the process. Post-Sopranos, he cemented himself in the firmament of American television culture, popping up almost ceaselessly on celebrity game shows, poker tournaments, Top Gear, and as a correspondent for Jay Leno's Tonight Show, for which he appeared over 40 times. He has since gone on to play a police detective on the CBS police procedural Blue Bloods. But it's his connection to the Sopranos and wise guy culture in general that he's embraced often with a comedic twist. He's even authored several books on the subject. Bestsellers like A Goomba's Guide to Life, The Goomba's Book of Love, and The Goomba Diet, Large and Loving It. In April of this year, on the 20th anniversary of The Sopranos, Shrippa teamed up with Michael Imperioli, who played Christopher on the series for the fan favorite podcast, Talking Sopranos, where the two go back to the beginning of the series and watch every episode of the show again for the first time in nearly two decades. It's been a massive hit, and for fans of the series who still crave more of the show and Familia Soprano, it's been something of a savior during the pandemic. I spoke to Sharippa from his home in Orange County, where he's currently quarantined with his wife and terribly spoiled dachshunds. Our conversation is wide-ranging and spans the role of animals in the mental pathology of Tony Soprano, to his own experience booking legendary animal acts at the Riviera. As an unabashed Sopranos fan, who has of late binged the series nearly three times back to back during quarantine, for which I'm quite embarrassed, and I watch it late at night, and it's become a sort of surrogate family for me, to which I can disappear nightly. Well, enough of my yakking. I don't want to get whacked for talking too much. Without further ado, Steve Sharippa, welcome. To the pet show. Yeah, there he is. All right, brother. Is this where you record uh, uh, talking Sopranos? No, no. I, I I record it. I'm down in Laguna Niguel, and uh, ooh, it's nice down there. Yeah, I'm in Laguna Niguel, and uh, Michael Imperioli is in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, and we got a red curtain, you know, that I shipped out here from the uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we're downstairs. But uh, it's all right. Well, con- anyway, congratulations on uh, Talking Sopranos. It, it's, I think it's, it's fantastic, especially for a uh, new generation. You know, my kids are um, 
Uh, my daughter is 15 and my son is 11. Obviously, he's too young to watch it anyway. But we were listening to, we were coming back from a road trip and, and they were listening to it. And they, they just enjoyed hearing you guys talk about The Sopranos. And obviously, I, I just love hearing about it. It's like connecting with an old family almost. You know, it's, it's, yeah, really, it's yeah. really special. That's what Michael says too, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it brings back to a lot of people when the show was on the air, Sunday nights, people got together, they had parties. It was certainly a better time in the world than it is now, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's funny because I'm separate from that you and I were having this conversation. I, I started re-watching it again and I'm divorced now, so I'm living alone. Uh, you know, I see my kids on the weekends and stuff. But I feel like I get to be a part of a family. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I get to spend time with this family I know really well. And especially when you binge it, it's like you almost, you're almost stepping into this world that you get to be immersed in with this incredibly, you know, dysfunctional, but also very close family. So it's- You're not the only one. There's a lot of people feel the same exact way. The Sopranos are crazy people. Yeah. You know, I tell that, I mean, if you think about it, the mother was crazy. Yeah. Tony's a murderer, flat out murderer, but yet we love him. Janice murdered her husband, <laughs> husband to be. She murdered. I mean, she's done horrible things. It's a crazy family. You know, crazy. Absolutely. Well, let's let's uh, talk about you for a second and 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 your dogs. You have um, you have two miniature dachshunds. Uh, uh, am, I, am I correct, Bobby? No, I have one. Probably? I have one okay. now. I had. Uh, we had two, and they passed away uh, at 15 and 17. Oh, wow. Yeah, Bobby and Carly. Uh, then we took over. Uh, we had bought one for my father-in-law, and he's got kind of dementia. He's just turned 90. And we took care of his dog. We brought him up from Atlanta. We brought him up to New York, and he lived out a great year and a half, and he died at 17. And uh, as well. now we got Willie. Yeah, they live long. Yeah. And uh, we got Willie about a year ago. He was born here in California. And he is uh, a miniature Dotson. He's a big one, though. Yeah, he's strong like that. Uh, he's got a hell of a personality on him. And uh, a lot of fun. I mean, you know, uh, growing up, I wasn't that much of a dog person. But I can't imagine not having these guys. They've brought a lot of joy to our life. I mean, uh, he's so smart, this dog that it's scary. So my wife's a big Yankee fan and he's got a toy box full of toys, 30, 30 toys. She's taught him, uh, go get the fox, go get the egg, go get the thing. He goes and picks it out of 30 toys. The baseball, which we had a major league baseball and it's baseball season. He's got tennis balls, this ball, she said, this is a baseball or whatever she does. <laughs> she tells him, we were in the backyard. She said, go get the baseball. He went in the house. I said, if he comes out with a baseball, I've seen everything. He came out with a baseball. With the baseball. That's incredible. The, it's incredible to me. The other dogs were great, but they weren't that smart. This guy is smart. Your first two dogs were, were Vegas dogs. And Vegas dogs. They were born in Vegas. And my brother-in-law had two. And then my mother-in-law had one. So there was five sometimes at my house, five uh, weenie dogs there, you know. And you gave him a wedding. You gave him a full Vegas. They had a wedding. 
Bobby and Carly had a wedding in the backyard. They had puppies. Unfortunately, we couldn't keep them. I would have liked them. They were named after, uh, Carly was named after a friend of mine that died 9-11. And so they moved to New York. They travel well. Yeah. They like the, They actually like the plane. They actually really? like the plane. Even Willie. Willie has flown uh, a hell of a lot. What do they and, like about it? I think they like being secure. They're in the bag. Right, right. Very. I think they like being secure. They're on my wife's lap. She's got the blanket over them. I think they like being in those confined spaces. These dogs are tunnelers. They like being under the covers and, and stuff like that. And this guy traveled, I couldn't tell you in a year how many times he's been on planes. So they're good dogs. They're funny dogs. They're smart dogs. And uh, my wife does the heavy lifting. I just have the enjoyable part, you know. <laughs> how did you come to own Dachshunds to begin with? Like, why... Like, how did you connect with that breed versus, you know? You know, we had a couple of golden retrievers in Vegas, which I liked very much. And then they passed away. And I, I guess, I don't know, my wife I did her research. She's always had dogs. Her right. father was kind of a uh, trainer. Oh, Springer right, right. Spaniels. Springer Spaniels and dog shows and stuff. So she knew a lot more than me. You know, I grew up in an apartment with seven people, you know. <laughs> so... You know, once we got the dog, I mean, we fell in love with the breed and uh, uh, we found this little guy. And uh, I can't imagine having a different kind. I mean, my wife loves all dogs, but, and then we have a rabbit. My daughter has a bunny rabbit in New York City and he gets along pretty good with him. That's great. His now, name is Paul. Paul the rabbit. Now, now when you were in <laughs> Vegas and you were working as, as entertainment director at the Riv, did you see a lot of different animal acts and entertainers sure. when you were working there? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, first of all, I'll tell you a few things. One, they had that famous dog act, which was incredible. Uh, I wish I knew the name. I, oh, the ones that jumped through the hoops? Yes, yes. Incredible. They had an afternoon show. It was at the, not the Luxor, next door to the Luxor, where they had the medieval times. It's right on the corner of Trump. And so the, he had an incredible show, that guy, in the afternoon. And we used to go quite often, take the kids and their friends. Fascinating what he does with these dogs. And they were, I think they're all rescues also. It's really? incredible. We had a couple of acts. A guy wrestled an alligator, a magician, and it was terrible. The alligator, you know, it was off. It looked so bad. It's so fake. We also had... And would this be in the theater? So like In the theater. There was a theater. There was a show called Splash. It's a, a theater, maybe 900,000 seater. Uh, he was a Japanese magician, and he had, he did some bit with, a, with an alligator, and it was not good. Then there was a poor man, Siegfried and Roy. They had, uh, you know, the tigers, a leopard, you know, uh, a black panther. They even looked like Siegfried and Roy. It was a, it was a generic version. It was terrible. But, you know, I don't know if you know who Bobby Berrassini is. So it's Bobby Berrassini had that act with the, uh, with the orangutans. Uh, Any which way but loose for Clint Eastwood. Right, right, right turn, Clyde, left turn, right turn, Clyde. And those were his orangutans. And the act was incredible. It was at the Stardust. It was truly an incredible. Uh, an act. They were brilliant, three of them. Blah, blah, blah. Somebody 
secretly taped them and he was hitting the orangutans. He was abusing them and it destroyed his career and his life. Oh Peter, God. you know, P-E-T-A, right? Peter yeah. was all over him and they were forced obviously to get him out of the, whether he was doing it or not, he was claiming the, the film was doctored. I don't know, but it was a big story uh, in the nineties in Vegas. And he tried to come to the hotel. I was at the Riviera hotel. So somebody calls me and there was like some kind of a convention or something. They said, I just want to let you know, Bobby Veracini is going to be performing. And I said, no, he's not. <laughs> so what do you mean? I said, he is not performing. He's a, you know, abuser of animals. Bah, 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 bah. And he called me the guy. And I, and I remember saying, you beat up those monkeys. And I'm yelling at him, you beat up the monkeys. You're not coming in this hotel. You're not stepping into this hotel. You beat up the monkeys. And he was literally screaming at me, <laughs> screaming, no, no. And then he hung up the phone. The wife got on. What are you doing to my husband? Screaming. But you can look him up. Bobby Beresini, his act was an incredible, huge act in Las Vegas for many years. So did all of these animal acts, like like did they, like all these people, did they live local in, in yeah. Las Vegas? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. most of them live local or yeah. they move there. Because once you're in these shows, usually you're there for a run, you know? So you live in Vegas. Vegas, there's no state tax. It's uh, relatively inexpensive to live there, especially back then. And they would live there, sure. They had farms, sanctuaries, half acres, acres of land. and. There was quite a bit of these uh, animal acts, all different kinds of stuff going on. Did Trained you, monkeys. There was another monkey act with uh, not orangutans, but with like a chimp that roller skated. And then there was uh, another monkey wore a dress. <laughs> My wife took pictures of it. I mean, I mean, who's coming into these shows? Like, did, did that attract a lot of people, or was, this is what the comp tickets were for? Well, no, no, no comps. No, 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 no. These were usually 10 to 15 minute pieces of an act. So you had a variety show, you had your dancers, you had your singer, a juggler, uh, the motorcycles in a sphere, you know, and you had maybe three or four variety acts. And these animal acts were part of that. Right, right. There was no comps and they were very much, uh, you know, stars, some of them. And the thing about the animal acts, you don't need to speak English. Yeah. So you got European, Japanese, Chinese, right, uh, right. tourists. You didn't need to speak English to understand it. So a lot of people use them. And there was different levels, obviously, with Siegfried and Roy being the main, you know. Did you meet those guys? Yeah. Yeah, I've met them over the years. I actually was at their last performance. He got mauled, right? Yeah, he got mauled by the tiger. Uh, there's a charity in Vegas uh, that I was involved in that I still am. It's uh, Lou Ruvo Alzheimer's Charity. Uh, there's a, a center down in Vegas, a very good one. And they had and they performed their last trick together, whatever you call it. Yeah, they did it together. It was a, not, not simple. It was a, kind of a big, big thing. And, and, you know, Roy, even though he was kind of, you know, limping and hurting, he did it. Got a standing ovation. It was pretty cool. You said you didn't have a lot of pets growing up because you grew up with seven people in a house. Like, what kind of pets did people own in in, in Brooklyn when you were growing up? In, well, they had dogs, cats. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But like, but they have uh, what? Uh, I used to have a lizard. 
A friend of mine just had a lizard. He died after 15 years. Big, his name was Hercules. Big <laughs> lizard. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Fish. A lot of fish. <laughs> yeah. Things that would fit in a small apartment, obviously. Yeah, you know, but I think dogs, I think honestly, in New York City, in the last 20 years, dogs have gotten way more popular, maybe throughout the country. Oh, There's yeah. a lot more people are dog people. They they give them comfort. You know, obviously, they help a lot. You know, dogs, look, dogs know when you're sick. They yeah. know when you're sad. They know when you're not feeling well. It's It's amazing to me. But if you're not feeling well, you're on the couch and they'll come over and, and stay with you to double check. You know, I'm not a cat guy. Not that I hate cats, but I've never had them. So I'm not familiar. Dogs offer empathy, unconditional love. You know, they really are. They're amazing that way. And I feel like, you know, dog culture and pet culture has changed so much in the past 20 years for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, people are starting to humanize their pets in such a way that Instead of, you know, it's not just a pet that you keep in the backyard, but it's now a part of the family, you know. It's Absolutely. As the as your, your brother or your sister now. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that growing up. I remember having, there was a lot in Brooklyn, and I don't see that in other places, a lot of junkyard dogs. I don't see that as much as I used to, where the dog was there all night. I remember there was a, uh, a car dealership, a used car and new car dealership down the block from where I grew up, and they had those German Shepherds roaming, you know, all night long. When they closed, they brought these German Shepherds into Rome. When they opened in the morning, I guess the trainer owner would come and get them. I don't see that, but they were they were there, man. They were like attack guard dogs, German Shepherds, three or four of them. Listen, when I grew up, you didn't even pick up your dog crap. People yeah. didn't pick up dog. I, I I stepped in dog shit more times than you could count. Well, that was a like a rite of passage of going to New York. You just guaranteed to get st step in shit. <laughs> it was. It was everywhere, even the term, this guy stepped in shit because, uh, you know, the old, it's good luck to step in shit or to yeah. get shit on by a bird, right? Uh, you didn't even pick that up. Dogs, like you said, they weren't really part of the family so much. Not like now where people spend all this money on dogs and, and will get, take them to the vet and charge. I mean, my daughter walks dogs in New York City at times. I mean, it's $15 plus an hour. Sometimes the people are home, they're too busy to walk the dog. I don't know how they do that. I, you see those dog walkers in New York with like 15 dogs? Yeah, I don't know how they do it either. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. She just does one at a time. But she's, uh, they have all these dog services now, you know, Wang and these things. And they, yeah, she's yeah. a college student to make extra money. Uh, I don't know how they do it three and four or five and a dozen. I, that's a skill that... I, but you know what? I tell you what, a friend of mine who actually used to be a Vegas dancer, a guy, moved to Jersey City. I guess he has a dog. He loves the dog. He put up a notice in his building, walking, you know, dog walking. Uh, he was up to, he told me he was making $3,500 a week That's or more walking dogs. People are working in the day. He walks them only in the neighborhood. There's like three or four buildings. I, I want to say even more. And uh, he built up this business out of his love for dogs. Uh, and he just said, anyone need, you know, I'm around in the daytime. This is before the pandemic, but 
I'm around in the daytime, pa, pa, pa. And he turned it into this incredible business. I mean, the pet business in general is exploding. It's like $76 billion a year. It's considered recession-proof. It grows like 20% a year. There's all these smaller, like, direct-to-consumer pet brands that are launching because uh -huh. of social media. I mean, it, it, it seems like there's this endless appetite for pet products, things that make living with pets easier and things that are making pets happier. I mean, it's just, it's an, it's, it's an endless fascination. You know, it's a different, different world than like uh, when I was growing up, but also it's a lot of work. Yeah. A real lot of work. I tell people, and, and I'm half joking, but not really. If you want thinking about having a kid, you better get a dog first. Yeah. Uh, because it's a lot of work when they're puppies and when they're older. I mean, my wife took care of this dog. The dog had a diaper on. <laughs> she took care of this guy, saved his life. He a nice quality of life, you know. I mean, he was still, he was not unhappy, still eating and everything. But she took care of him like he was a, a baby, you know. Uh, so it works both ways, very similar to, to us, you know. And, and uh, it's a lot of work. So if... People like to get the dog. I remember years ago when 101 Dalmatians came out. Everybody bought Dalmatian, Dalmatian puppies. And then They're they were a lot of work and they got rid of them. And there was like all these abandoned Dalmatians everywhere, remember? Yeah, but I heard Dalmatians are tough because there's a lot of inbreeding with them in uh -huh. order to maintain the bloodline. So the dogs are kind of crazy and... and uh, um, they have a lot of emotional problems like that like they're that's a hard dog to take care of because of i think the bloodline and and the genetics involved with that dog breed yeah but that's what i'm saying they yeah. bought this without doing their homework and they said hey you know though we love the movie let's get the dog and then they abandoned the dogs there was a lot of that going well it's happening you know? right now too like the like the shelters have been cleared out because of COVID. Everybody's stuck yeah. at home and everybody wants something cute or sweet to cuddle with. Uh, and all these shelters are terrified of six months down the line when everyone's like, ah, all right, I'm gonna give this thing back now. Um, I hope not, I hope not. It's a yeah. lot of responsibility. You gotta do your homework. And also, I gotta be honest, if you work at a nine to five job, it's tough to have a dog, man. Yeah. You know, you're gone all day. Somebody's got to come in and walk it. Then you want to go out at night. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, my, my daughter lives in New York, My one of my daughters, and, and she wants a dog, and I, you know, she wants to get a weenie dog, too. And I say, you can't. You can't get a weenie No. Both of you guys were working. Now, you've worked on a ton of movie sets, so you must, you've probably seen all manner of, different trained animals and you know what's the craziest animal experience you've had on a set i did a movie called sea spot run with david arquette paul savino michael clark duncan and it was me and another guy trying to put a hit on out of the dog and he was the dog was an fbi agent it's a good movie right right your kids are like it yeah, Especially yeah. the 11 year old are like it I love a good dog movie. I'm a sucker for Beethoven and for all of them. Believe me. This is C-Spot Run, and we got Paul Savino's the mob boss. The two of us are his henchmen, and we try we chase the dog everywhere. And of course, the dog outsmarts us 
every step of the way. There was a dog, a Jack Russell named Enzo. <laughs> uh, I think he was also the dog on... Is he named after he's Enzo? A dog, uh, he's a famous dog. He, he's passed away now. Right. There's been probably a few Enzos, but there was a scene where the dog's after me, and they put a harness on me with like a chew toy. They trained them to hang on to this, and it was sticking out of my back, you know, out of the suit jacket. And at some point, I'm running, running, running. The dog leaps and jumps on my back, and I'm screaming and trying to <laughs> I'm going get off of me <laughs> and he hanging off for dear life just like a full on stunt like you had a like a oh, yeah. on and everything yeah, yeah I had the thing on and, and he jumped on he was in a lot of commercials Enzo his name is and uh, so I worked with him the other dog was I don't know exactly what kind but a big dog you know I didn't have that much to do with him you know the right. bigger dogs I'm not a I'm a little afraid of like pit bulls and shit, you know. Right, right, right. And like if I in my building, if there's a pit bull in the elevator, I won't go. Won't, I'll say I'll take the next one. They're generally pretty sweet dogs, though. You know, it, I hear. I know my wife tells me that. Listen, the owner. It's not the dog, but yeah, no, I understand. You know, to each their own. Absolutely. But they're not just pit bulls. Any of those big dogs. I'll say I'll take the next one. <laughs> it's okay. Let me ask you a question. I just want to I want to go back to the Sopranos for a second. Animals were like a big sort of sub, you know, they weren't a big part of the show, but it was a big part of Tony's psyche. You know, there were never a lot of pets on the Sopranos, but part of Tony's character was that he was an animal lover. And that went into the fact that he perhaps was a, a sociopath because sociopaths have, you know, feel more love for animals than they do for people. But was there discussion with David, you know, within the context of the script about, all, you know, all of the, the animal subtext inside the series? Was there discussions with him? Well, Tony, once again, not unlike, you know, listen, he cared more about that horse, Piomai, than killing Ralphie. Correct, right? Uh, we know about him with the ducks, right? That come into his pool. Uh, he was very big an animal lover. There was numerous, numerous references. And Jim in real life was a big dog guy too. He had a few dogs, one growing up and, and even when he passed away, Jim had a couple of dogs. He was a dog guy. Uh, there was no discussion. There was never a discussion on the show about much of anything unless you asked the question. Right, right. You got the script. You didn't add lib the script. You didn't add a word to it. It was what it was what it was. Yeah, I was just curious in, you know, as you're going back, you're in touch with David Chase as you're doing Talking Sopranos. I was wondering if you had... He didn't say anything. Nah, he hasn't said anything. He right. loves the podcast, but David's a man of few words, unless yeah. he didn't like it. If he didn't <laughs> like it, trust me, we would know about it. But uh, he's, he's supposed to be a guest. I'm waiting for that. Uh, why don't you think Tony never had a dog, you know, or, or do you think like... You know what, it might be just that it would be so much work. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, I remember, listen, I'm on Blue Bloods now, and they had an episode with the dog. 
uh, with the dog. It was a stray dog, and I don't know if they wind up adopting him. I don't know the whole story, but it was tough. I, the director actually got down on four, on all fours, and was showing the trainer what he wanted done, where he wanted the dog to go. Oh, and stuff. from a production standpoint. Oh man, man. come on, that's a lot of work with all the the ASPCA and all the stuff on. A whole set. lot of stuff, you know. I mean the hours and this and that and you have to have multiple dogs that look alike and I mean you're just I guess unless it was really necessary and how much you're going to use the dog right right you know what I mean uh, I I don't I don't know you know I don't know if that's why I'll ask him that question but listen you work with an animal it's a lot of work yeah 100 percent and it's a lot know, of work and a lot of patience and time consuming you know, even the best trained dog, you know? And then, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. You know, I've been talking to a lot of actors about working with animals on set. And obviously Dennis Quaid has done those dog Dogs Purpose movies, which are centered around dogs. And he said the secret to being great with a dog in a film is to make sure you have bacon in your pocket. Yeah, you you have go. bacon in your pocket. The dog loves you. It focuses its, its attention on you. And I can't imagine not being a dog lover and having to do one of those big movies where the dog's a star. No, I mean, can you imagine the, uh, you know, every scene? I mean, it is, uh, and people love those movies, you know, especially kids. They love sure. dog movies. Sure. They don't have many cat movies. No, well, cats are impossible to train. Cats, I mean, forget about it. Can you imagine trying to get a cat to do anything? Let me tell you a movie that there's not a million years for any amount of money. Willard. Remember Willard the Rat? Oh, God, with uh, with uh, uh, Crispin Glover. That was, uh, he did a remake. There was one in the 70s. There's not enough money in this world. Oh, no way. I, I'm just squirming yeah. thinking about that movie. And I wonder how many trained, I mean, I bet they, I wonder if that was CGI or if they used actual trained rats. Oh, you could bet a combination, but there was plenty of rats. Not for me. Uh, in C-Spot Run, they had where the dog wrecks the pet store and they had little white mice. I couldn't even deal with that. I told the director, you can't bring them near me. I can't deal with afraid it. Afraid of mice? Yes, and rats. I rather, I would rather fight Shaq than uh, deal with a mice or a mouse or a rat. Where does that fear come from? Is that from I, or just- I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't care about snakes don't bother me. Bugs don't really bother me. Spiders don't bother me. But a goddamn mice, a mouse or a rat, I'm out of there. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you grew up in the capital rat city of America. So, I mean- You know, but I didn't see a lot of rats uh, where I grew up. Now, I live in Manhattan. There's rats everywhere. Yeah, I grew up, I mean, I grew up, I, I lived in New York for 17 years, and I lived on the edge of Chinatown. Oh. And um, if Hello. We, we'd be walking home from the bars at closing at like four in the morning, and they would be hosing out the fish stalls for the morning, and you would see like this plague of, they would just be running down the sidewalks. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. I lived in Little Italy, same thing here. Late at night, they're all over. Jumping it's, on it's the, the same thing, jumping into the trash. It's not for me, but some people it doesn't bother. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody likes, you know, every kind of animal. You know, you never... My wife, it doesn't bother so much. Did you see, um, did you watch the Tiger King movies? Uh, I mean, the yeah. the Tiger King show? You don't... Uh... It's not for me. I'm not interested. I did do a uh, a commercial years ago with a panther, a black panther. <laughs> it was scary, but I did it. Who was that for? It was for Dick's Sporting Goods, the golf. That's right. You were the spokesperson for Dick's Sporting yeah. Goods. Uh, you know, I did one commercial for them, yeah. That was scary. That's amazing. And then do you think you'll get more dogs? Are you thinking about any any, any more dogs moving forward? You know, you know, uh, I would have more dogs, but I'd, I'd go back and forth between New York and here because I'm working in New York. Right. If I was in one spot, maybe, because it's hard. You can't now. There's rules. You got to travel. You used to be able to bring two dogs, one person. Right. You couldn't do that anymore. So it makes it just too difficult. I, I would like to have two in Vegas, I had a huge property, you know. I mean, it was on an acre of land. The dogs ran. So I don't know. You know, it depends. It's just hard to travel with them and, and you know, go back and forth. This guy's a lot of work on his own. Right. Have you noticed, you know, now that you're out here instead of New York, people are dog crazy here in a way that they are not in New York. I mean, that's that's it. So, you know, New York's all about the dog parks and, you know, that. Yeah. We don't take our dogs to the dog park, but here we take them to the beach. We take them to Huntington, that dog beach. My wife takes them early in the morning uh, down near the grass, near the beach uh, down here in, in Laguna. And uh, uh, there's just more to do. And he could go in and in the house, out the house. In New York, he's stuck in the apartment and you got to take him out to walk him, you know, two, three, four times a day. And everybody's on, you know, the way New York is structured for dog people, you're very much on top of one another. So, like, I feel like there's more politics involved with dog ownership in New yeah. York. Because you're having to, like, share the sidewalk with No, people. for sure, for sure. And I live downtown off of Wall Street. There's a ton of people. He doesn't like it. He gets scared. You know, I live near the seaport, so that's right. not bad. It's a little more spacious, but taking them right out of the building, too many people around, he gets scared, you know. Here he goes in, he goes out, he goes in. You know, uh, he's got much more uh, independence here. You know, I would like, you know, I guess I would like another one. But like I said, a lot of work. My wife, my wife handles the heavy lifting. Man. Right, right. She's the she's, she's the, the mama. She's the dog mama. <laughs> now, do they sleep in bed at night? Like, what are the rules for your house? Well, they both slept with us. And this guy sleeps with us, too. Sleeps on his back, mostly. He's down on the bottom. Uh, you know, if you get up to go to the bathroom, he's looking to get up. You know, he wants to play every all the time. But, uh, yeah. You see, he's in the bed. When I die, I want to come back as my dog. That's great. What kind? So you'd come back as a dachshund? I mean, they come have... Come back as a dachshund, Willie boy. He's a, he lives the life I dream about. He gets taken care of. He eats great. He travels. His mother babies him. He's got everything he needs. He sits down. He's got a nice house in California. He lives in Manhattan. What's his, what complaint could he possibly have? He goes to the beach. I tell you what, we haven't left him since the pandemic. And I know that's going to be a problem if this thing ever ends. He's been with us every day. Oh, and we've gone out to eat twice outdoor. And he's, we made sure that Got to be a place that takes the dog, you know. That's a big deal. Canine separation anxiety. It's like a real yeah. thing. Like they have oh, yeah. a dog 
They have dog psychiatrists now to help yeah. them deal with the detachment and stuff. You know, so that's going to be a problem, but we haven't left them. Because we been, we've been home like everybody else. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to let you go. This, this is perfect. Um, is there anything that uh, you want to highlight for me uh, on the show? That, uh, Talking Sopranos, you know, YouTube. Get Talking Sopranos anywhere you get your podcast on YouTube. Blue Bloods, hopefully we go back to work in the fall. Friday nights with Tom Selleck. And uh, that's it, man. Listen to the podcast. I think you'll like it. And that's all the time we have today on The Pet Show. We'll definitely be listening to more Talking Sopranos with Steve Sharippa and Michael Imperioli. And if you listen to this show and like what you hear, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. It really makes a huge difference. The Pet Show is brought to you by AudioUp Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jimmy Jelinek, with co-host Dennis Quaid. Executive producers are Jared Gustat and Dennis Quaid. Our editor is Bill Mark. Our story producer is Emma Rapold. And our head of production is the marvelous Tyler Dorson. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Meow, 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 meow.